Welcome to episode 7 of Icy Cocktails. I'm your co-host, Zach Teamy. I'm Aaron Montgomery. And today we have an amazing show for you. Uh, we're going to start off uh, by drinking a drink that Aaron made and uh, brought with him today. So Aaron, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, what we're going to be drinking. So this is a bacon fat washed uh, bourbon old fashioned with maple syrup as the sweetener and... Um, Mole bitters for the bitters. Okay, and what kind of um, bourbon was it used? Uh, I used the bourbony kind. Uh, no, I'm kind of, I used Maker's Mark. Okay, Maker's Mark. So, uh, which a works, bourbon that everybody has seen and knows how to use? Yeah, and it works pretty well for um, it works pretty well for bacon fat washing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what we're laughing at right now is we installed some new pop filters, and Aaron's was not uh, aimed at the microphone. So he was trying to readjust. I think it is now. Yeah. Yes, it's much better. I've been looking at it like stressing for the last few seconds. But. <laughs> All right. So we have our uh, bacon fat washed old fashions. Let's give them a shot. Huh. <laughs> I'm going to have to have another drink. Uh, it's fun to watch Zach's brain just kind of go i don't know what to say well the interesting thing about uh the show especially is when you're trying drinks for the first time you want to kind of bring the audience in with you but sometimes you have this mouthful of flavor and you're just like uh, how do i explain this so i'm gonna try to take one more drink and then i will dive in so I, I will speak a little bit about the fact that like i use maple syrup as a sweetener rather than sugar because i think it goes well with the idea of bacon um, okay so what's really good about this is um, the maple syrup isn't overly aggressive. Like it's really easy with maple syrup to use a little too much and have your whole drink just taste like syrup. Uh, the bacon flavor is more of a smoky addition to it uh, than a like straight-up salty bacon, right? Yeah, it's definitely... And I used an uh, Alderwood smoked bacon uh, for the bacon that I use. That's what I always use when I do the bacon fat wash. Okay. Um, and it definitely gets, in my opinion, it ends up tasting as an aftertaste. You you taste the kind of smoky bacon, yeah, as opposed to anything up front. You get you like you definitely taste the uh, maple syrup. You almost you can't even taste the alcohol in this. Usually with a, uh, <laughs> usually with an old fashioned, you end up with a little bit of uh, alcohol flavor in them. Yeah, but this one, it's just gone. There's nothing, <laughs> which is oh. funny because it's nothing but bourbon, really. Well, yeah, that, that's the weird thing. It's like mostly bourbon, uh, but it's yeah. I I'm gonna drink this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure how many of these I could have. This doesn't feel like so. Uh, I have on occasion maybe gone to um, Lot 3, mm-hmm. a bar in uh, downtown Bellevue, and just kept ordering old fashions. 
over and over and over. I do that often at a number of places that yeah, make a decent one. Because they're good and they, uh, uh, you know, easy for drinking. This feels like one of those drinks, though, that I could have one of and then I'd switch to something else because you get too many of these. It might like it, it's got that richness to it. Yeah. That really makes it a wow. That's a that's a flavorful. That's a drink that I'm going to try, but not something I'm going to sit here and just pound all night long. There's a number of drinks that happen for me in in the December time frame that I can do one of and they're really good. But there's too strong of a flavor, too rich of a flavor that I really don't feel like having multiples of them like maybe two tops but after that i have to switch and i can definitely see two of these probably uh but probably not a lot more than that mostly just due to the like the the richness you don't usually get uh such a rich flavor out of a uh, old-fashioned uh yeah i would agree with that it's kind of a hard thing to describe you know to describe in words to someone who's not tasting it is a little bit of a, of a trick, but because, I'm next going to try and describe the color yellow. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, but it definitely is like there's a there's a complexity to it that becomes hard to try and manage um, for just being an old fashioned. The strange thing that I keep feeling in it as I'm drinking it, and I keep going back for more, is when let's say you're at a, a breakfast restaurant and you have your bacon and you have the good crispy kind of bacon, but it's also got that chunk of fat on it yeah. that is um, not crispified yet. And it's just, it's like kind of crispy on the outside, but still fatty on the inside. That same flavor that you get when you bite into that and you're like, Oh my God, that is so good. It comes out in the drink. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, and it's, that's a really weird flavor to have in a drink. You don't usually find those. Uh, it is definitely, uh, I think we talked about, I don't remember how many episodes ago now, the different uh, savory cocktails. Oh, dozens and dozens of episodes well, it was probably ago. like episode, I want to say three or four. We talked about savory cocktails. Probably mm-hmm. three, I think. But at any rate. And the whole umami is the, the mouthfeel thing. Um, yeah. And that's, that's where this kind of fits in because it has a definite, definite thickness and flavor to it that you wouldn't expect from just liquid, but it's also not like... I mean, with the idea of what someone might consider, you know, how do you fat wash something, you're not getting this flavor of, like, greasy fat in your mouth. No, there's definitely, you don't get, yeah, it doesn't feel like your mouth is getting greasy, but it does have a uh, definite kind of crispy, good fat flavor to it. So let's talk a little bit about what a bacon fat wash is. So um, there's, there's a number of different ways of doing it. I always make it as a batch. So I use a fifth of bourbon at a time. Um, and a big reason for that is just because it's easier. And then I have both really yummy bacon fat and really yummy bourbon to use. So do you think that the audience knows what a fifth is? It's a fifth of what? <laughs> a fifth of alcohol. Um, right. But like, yeah, no, that's a good question. <laughs> you put five of them together. You have a, <laughs> gallon a pint like some arbitrary thing that is like lost to time uh, why is it called a fifth you know i honestly do not know because i'm trying to think fives are weird to measure in they are really quarts pints like yeah but like i'm trying to like what else do you call it right like if you get like a normal bottle of alcohol which is 750 milliliters right that is considered a quote-unquote fifth of whatever is that like um, a fifth of a pony keg? But like, I don't know what that would <laughs> what that would amount to because like well, five of those wouldn't be a gallon. Well, times five. <laughs> all right, do the math there. Um. <laughs> well, you're looking at three seventy five and two zeros. 
Sounds about right, yeah. Uh, but what would that be in milliliters? I mean, that'd be... 37,500 3.75 milliliters? Yeah. Or 3, 3.75 liters, yeah. which I guess, that's no, that's not a gallon. Is yeah. it? Hey, should we ask Siri? Hey, Siri, <laughs> how much is a gallon? Wow, that didn't work at all. Oh, hey, my phone's in low power mode. We'll oh, ask Siri well. later. All right. <laughs> Maybe we'll add that as follow-up for another podcast, figure out why it's called a fifth. That would be like an interesting like etymology to try and figure out. I'm sure there's a reason. I just don't know what it is. Um, but at any rate, so a fifth or a normal 750 milliliter bottle of alcohol. Let, let's stick with the metric. I can understand that. It's easier for All me. Right. Um, it's just so hard to say. 750 mil. <laughs> I just mean like quickly. At any rate. Um, so what I end up doing is I end up saving my bacon fat. And, I mean, it's not like it's – when I say saving my bacon fat, like I'm cooking bacon, no matter what way I'm cooking it, when I cook just bacon by itself, mm-hmm. I pour it through a strainer to get out any of the chunks and have right. just the fat left over. Okay. And I store that usually in a mason jar. Um, and I wait until – like a small mason jar, not a, not a right. large one. Not like, like a, a big uh, hillbilly drinking cup. Yeah, exactly. And I store that until I have uh, – for this particular – Wash, I saved it until I had two cups worth of bacon fat, like when okay. it was in a liquid form. So when you were storing it, it obviously congealed into, you know, white yeah. fat stuff. Yeah, exactly. Then you dump it out, uh, heat it up a little bit, and mm, you got some cup. Or you got yeah. about two cups of stuff. You got about two cups, and you add that to 750 milliliters um, in, a, in a large glass container. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can do it, like if you want... Um, that ends up working if you have the quart size mason jars, which are often used for like jarring fruit and whatnot. Right, like your or normal pickle jar. Like a normal see. pickle jar type thing. Um, and you can put exactly half of the 750 milliliters in both and a cup in both, and it ends up being that that's enough space all, all said and done. Okay. Um, you give it a good, like, kind of shake, just so kind of it incorporates throughout the entire alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you let it sit until it congeals. Until it congeals. So it is going to congeal again. It will congeal again at the top. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of funny how it works, but the bacon fat congeals at the top of the can or canister. You have all the alcohol underneath. And it ends up being a very, very soft bacon fat. So, so how long does it take? Like 24 hours. 24 hours? Okay, yeah. so it's pretty quick. Yeah, it's fairly quick. And you can do it You can do it in less time, right? So Probably like, by cooling it down. Either like cooling it, it down, putting something. it in the freezer. Um, you can also do it by, um, like, part of having it sit that long, it incorporates the flavors more. So if you don't want it to be as strong, you can stop it earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Lots of options there. Um, and then what I always end up doing is uh, you, you have that layer of hard fat on the top. It's not, like, super, super hard. but. Right. It's, it's it's sort of it's, like a soft cheese at that point, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's a it's a good good analogy and a good like texture is mm-hmm. an idea. You just kind of break away the top of it and you pour that um, through cheesecloth. Okay. Into another container. Um, I also can sometimes sometimes depending on the type of cheesecloth you have, it might not catch enough of the sediment. So you can also pour it through like a coffee filter, um, and that will separate the bacon fat from the bourbon, and you end up with this very clear, perfect bourbon that doesn't have any viscosity to it like you'd expect from the bacon fat right that's kind of what i was wondering as i was drinking it is like there is gone by the way it's like just he, he toasted it yeah of course i did it was good um 
there is absolutely no fatty particulates or anything in here that suggests like you you definitely taste the bacon but you don't have any indicator that it was a you know bacon fat yeah and the fun thing about it is that you're left over with this fat now that is bacon fat and has a bit of a bourbon flavor to it so we make cookies <laughs> well anytime like i mean you can make cookies Ooh, i candles. suppose <laughs> candles uh well if you're completely non-cooking oriented and you just want to have some fun with it it makes really good essentially oil to use for stovetop popcorn and then you get like <laughs> so you end up with bacon flavored popcorn a bacon bourbon flavored popcorn right um, so you put the uh you just drop it in with the kernels yeah as you're uh, heating it up on the stove exactly Ah, that sounds awesome. I also used it to make some like roasted potatoes, right? Like you add bacon fat, some some butter and whatever um, seasoning you'd want to have to like fry and roast potatoes. I think I used fennel and you end up with this like nice bacon fat flavor on top of your potatoes. Um, that sounds awesome. It turned out really good. <laughs> I made some roasted vegetables uh, over Thanksgiving. No, Christmas. Uh they could have really used some bacon fat with bourbon in them. Yeah, exactly. That would have just been phenomenal. And it's not just bacon fat that you can do this with. I mean, any Wait, sort of— any fat can work? <laughs> any protein fat will work. Um, the ones that you see most often— Even human? Uh, uh, oh, God, that's a gross thought. But yeah, Just for I'm, soap. I mean, just— <laughs> I'm going to go throw up real quick. Um, <laughs> so you're saying any kind of fat. So we can use chicken fat. fat, turkey fat, ham fat, like— Yeah, I think the the— the two that you see most often, if you were to go out to highfalutin restaurants and, and find a, uh, a some sort of fat-washed, old-fashioned or fat-washed drink of some sort, which do exist, um, which is kind of where I got the idea from. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't all me, I'll admit. Um, but uh, bacon is a big one and duck fat is the other. So um, I, my, my wife and I, we have made duck recently. I love duck. Duck's awesome. I love going to any of the French restaurants and getting duck there because, oh my God, it is so good. Uh, we're currently trying to find goose because neither of us have had goose and we want to try goose. I don't think I have either. So Very difficult to find. I've called around to a number of butcher shops and they're all like, ah, yeah, sorry, we don't have any goose right now. Who doesn't have goose at Christmas time? Well, they might be out of their Christmas goose. I don't know. It's possible. Although it could be this, you know, Americans don't do things right. I have never even seen goose on a menu anywhere. Although I'm sure there has to exist somewhere in Seattle. Like, oh, I, I'm, like, I'm positive. I mean, yeah. we can probably get tarantula somewhere in Seattle. Oh, uh, it just doesn't sound appetizing. But sure, it's, I have to imagine it's just like lobster. Yeah, I suppose, but different. Yeah, just like it tastes like chicken. Exactly. So, uh, what are some of the like? If folks are in Seattle, where can they go to find a, a good, a fat washed, uh, old fashioned? Well, it's. Because it's something that requires a lot of preparation, it's usually only on as a special at places. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen it um, at, um, I think, Zigzag. I've seen it there. I've seen it at um, the Tin Table, uh, Quinn's. Um, I'm trying to think of where else. There was a, there was a place downtown that was... Um, a little tiny bar that I, I remember being there, but I don't remember the name of it right now. And I can't life of me think of even where it was, like Belltown area. They had it on the menu. They hardly have any bars down there. Yeah, I Just know. Just go to B Belltown, find the bar. The one bar. The in only Belltown. bar yeah. there. 
and say, hey, I want your uh, fat-washed old-fashioned. Total sure success. You'll yeah. find it. I, it might have been the whiskey bar, maybe. Oh, okay. That That's the place with all the wood and the hundreds of, like, it's got the old-school bar and, uh, like, hundreds Again, of thousands of whiskey. Uh, every bar in Seattle. But Yeah, well, there's condos over the top of it. And again. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like Zigzag, Tin Table, and Quinn's are good places to go uh, to check their specials to see if you can actually get a uh, fat one. So what, uh, you use bacon. What what have some of these other places used? Like um, uh, you said uh, think, duck. Yeah, I think I've seen duck. I've seen, um, um, I think pretty much it's duck and bacon, thinking about it. This is the only two that I've really seen. I, I could understand that because duck is... Uh, very flavorful and it has a lot of fat yeah um so is bacon <laughs> yeah exactly they're both very flavorful very fatty meats um i want to say old sage was the place that had the duck fat um that's like on 12th um and it has i think part of the reason how come they probably have the duck fat washed uh, old-fashioned is because they have uh like duck wings as an appetizer Oh, really? Kind of like, like know, chicken wings, like but, chicken with wings but with duck. Yeah. I need to go there. Yeah. Well, all you got to do is figure out how to pay for your $60 Uber ride from here and then back. I can just uh, get a cab or convince my wife to drive. <laughs> I feel like the last one seems slightly more likely. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually usually what I shoot you, for. What you do is you figure out some way to get someone to watch the child overnight, and then you intentionally just get a hotel room downtown and call it a date night. That's actually a good plan. We should do that. I need to find somebody that can watch my kid overnight. Not me. So anybody that's listening, if you're good with children <laughs> and would like, you live in the Seattle area, just give me a call, 555-1212, and uh, <laughs> we'll get you set up. We, like, very, very minimal background checks are required here. <laughs> uh, okay. So, yeah. Like, uh, are, are there other drinks that are made with bacon fat or, or any kind of fat. Like, I mean, we talked old fashions, but what other things might actually be good? So one of the things about the old fashioned that makes it good is because it's a relatively simple drink. And you, anyone, spirit and uh, mixer. Well, I mean, like you, you have a sweetener, you have your bitters, and then you have the spirit itself, right? So it allows whatever you've done, the fat wash in to kind of play out. So any other drink that has a relatively simple profile, but is complex to begin with, uh, or or not, I shouldn't say complex. A simple profile, but has a good flavor to begin right. with. So Manhattan, another good example. I've actually made a bacon fat wash Manhattan. Um, it, it Remind up, the audience what's in the Manhattan. Um, so Manhattan would be bourbon, vermouth. Ah, vermouth, that's right. And, or sweet vermouth specifically. Right. And then um, bitters. Um, usually like Angostura or orange bitters are the most likely. So and that's it. Let's talk about bitters. What bitters did you use in the, the um, bacon washed old fashioned? Uh, I used the um, mole bitters from Bitterman's. Um, the Bitterman's has a, a pretty wide range of M- mole, like the Mexican mole. Yep, it's like I think the. F- I don't have the bottle in front of me, obviously. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm looking at what you have in front of you, and it is not a bottle. It's of not bitters. the bottle of, of bitters. Uh, I believe it's the Oaxacan mole is what the bitters are called. Um, this might actually be the first time I've liked mole. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, it, it it pairs well, in my opinion, with this drink. Yeah, it does really well with it because it has my big problem with mole when I get it is it's overly sweet on food that I want to be more in the spicy area. 
So it's usually pair, bad mole, but yeah. Please look where I live. Uh, <laughs> when you pair it with the uh, uh, maple syrup, it does a really good job. So, yeah. okay, cool. Um, that is awesome. Shall we talk a little bit and maybe just help the listeners uh, kind of figure out if they're just starting out, what is it they need to do to stock their bar? Sure. Uh, so it depends on what type of stocking we want to talk about to start because um, you have the idea of utensils that you're going to need. You're mm-hmm. going to have um, spirits you're going to need. You're going to have uh, mixers and, and potentially other items that might be useful in a bar. Um, so let's start with the alcohol. Because that's really where we begin with any good drink, right? Is what are the kind of base spirits you should have around your house so that when, you know, a date comes over or you want to impress somebody, you don't just go, hey, dude, you want a Coors? (laughs) Well, uh, in my opinion, you should have a good example of each of the major representations of a spirit. So you'd want to have a good whiskey, whether that's a bourbon, a rye, a blended scotch, uh, something that's that's I say blended scotch intentionally because yeah. I want something that is mild, mild-ish, but in the right flavor profile. Mm-hmm. So a blended scotch isn't going to have that super strong peaty, um, almost. Well, did, did I ever tell you the story? Um, I was mixing myself a drink. I was making a rum-based drink. And I poured some rum into my glass and I thought, oh, I'm going to have a little taste of the rum. I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst fucking rum I've ever had. I can't believe this is actually rum. This is all peaty and boggy. Hmm. You know, it's actually a pretty good scotch. Oh, shit. It is a scotch. <laughs> Wrong bottle. <laughs> good job. It's super important with like you're grabbing bottles out of your cupboard to grab the one you intend to grab. But it does help. Yeah. Because a, a, a rum and a scotch are two very different uh uh, spirits. Yeah, even a blended scotch isn't going to take. Yeah, you're just not going to find anything that's going to come close to those two. They're yeah, just so no, they're just so far apart that it's not even funny. Yeah, uh, even your darkest of rums aren't going to have the. It's still going to be sweet, is what it comes and, down. And to. it is weird how your flavor, how your brain works in those situations. Because I was like, oh my god, this is horrible. This is absolutely not what I'm looking for. Dot dot dot. But you know, it's pretty good. It was called. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> okay, so uh, starters, whiskeys. Uh, a whiskey, a gin, uh, a vodka, a tequila. Um, basically, all your base, like you can get like four or five base spirits. So let's talk um, starting out. Uh, let's pick, so we, we already talked about whiskey. Let's just kind of name, uh, if somebody wants to go to the store right now and buy maybe five bottles That'll get them going with a, um, like basically think of it as a starter kit for your bar. What yeah. are what's the uh, whiskey you're going to suggest people go buy? Uh, it depends on how much they're willing to spend on the very cheap end. Let's I, let's keep it. Let's let's go middle of the road. Let's shoot for like I don't know twenty twenty dollars middle of the road. I'm really broken when it comes to spending money. Uh, period. Twenty dollars would be a relatively low end bottle of whiskey, okay. but. There are some really good bottles of whiskey for twenty dollars. So, okay. like at that so, price like, range, I'd suggest like Four Roses Yellow Label, or even uh, Evan Williams Black. How about this? Let's do a twenty dollar and a fifty dollar. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll we'll go with the twenty dollars first, so that the um, uh, folks that are still kind of early in their careers know what <laughs> they need to go buy, and then we'll do the fifty dollar and above 
which can be whatever we want. Like that's the mad money kind of thing, which All is right. probably what's in your cabinet and mine. Uh, so $20, four roses, yellow label. I would go with four roses, yellow label. And for the expensive bottle of whiskey, I would probably choose, I personally would probably choose Ula, which is uh, a distillery in uh, Capitol Hill area. They make a really, really good whiskey. Um, I like it a lot. It's about $50, roughly, I think, $50, $60, something around there. All right. Let's do um, gin next. Uh, gin? Well, so you have a, a bit of a problem with gin in that you have so many styles of gin. But yeah, but I don't care. There's only one gin that's actually worth drinking, and it's going to be on both of the um, $20 and the $50 because it's the only gin worth drinking. That's not true, but <laughs> um, I, I, I can so just dispute that but at any you can but you haven't yet and i haven't seen any we haven't had a gin episode yet uh well i can make a gin episode happen okay we should do a gin episode soon so i would say for the um for the uh inexpensive list or the moderate list i would put um hendrix on there so that's closer to 40 than 20 is it yep man i really need to pay attention to how much i spend on liquor if you want to spend 20 on gin you're looking you shouldn't at, drink gin if you're not going to spend the 40 dollars for hendrix uh i i disagree i think beef eater is actually a really good example of a london dry gin that you can get for around 20 dollars. that is a classic gin um it available at most restaurants too i mean that's kind of a go-to gin in a lot of places yeah it is yeah it's it's, it's pretty easy to get um so beef eater for the uh, the the uh, early in your career list, the later in your career list. Apparently, uh, <laughs> my my vote would be for Hendrix. Uh, I there's a couple of other you've recommended to me, but as I've been at bars, they haven't had them, so I've just been sticking with Hendrix. Aviation would be a really great one. Botanist would be another great one. Um... Let's go with botanist, so I don't have to do too much searching for URLs for the stuff. All right, botanist, it works. And that one, that one definitely is going to be in the same price range and maybe even a little bit more expensive than Hendrix. Um, I personally think it has a better flavor profile than Hendrix. Hmm. All right. So that's the whiskey and the gins. Let's talk um, vodka. There's a lot of vodka-based drinks out there. There's a ton of vodka-based drinks out there. Um, for the less expensive side, honestly, I'm I'm kind of okay with Absolute or Smirnoff. Um I, they're on the lower end price range wise, although they're not bottom of the shelf. I would almost, mm -hmm. I would, I would argue or make a, a statement for Glacier, which is an Idaho potato based vodka. Okay. So um, let's, let's put Glacier down because I think everybody's had Smirnoff at some point. Well, probably. And usually somehow inherited it from their college roommate who left it in the freezer and you're going to move out and you're like, what the hell is this? Okay. I never had college roommates, but. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I, I did for once. It was a bad plan. <laughs> don't don't have roommates in college. Suck it up. Pay the money. Um, what was the uh, what was the vodka you said again? Glacier. Glacier. Thank you. Uh, and then on the more expensive end, uh, I think that expensive vodkas usually are more of a gimmick than worthwhile. But having said that, I would say Chopin might be a good choice. Um, it's a good French uh, vodka that has some good flavor to it. I've actually been having good luck lately with um, a brand of vodka that I can't remember the name of. So this is going to make Super great radio. Yep. So what you do is you go to the store, you look for a square bottle that looks like a very elongated Jack Daniels bottle, and it's got a red label on it with uh, some Russian and or Polish writing on it. I think it starts with an L. I, 
I don't know which one you're talking about because I almost always walk past the vodka aisle. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, I do not spend that much time with vodka. Um, okay, which spirit is next? Uh, rum. And I would suggest going with a light rum. Um, there's essentially four different styles of rum. Mm-hmm. Um, but the light rum is what most people are going to get for drinks like daiquiris or so you're mojitos. Thinking Captain Morgan's or, uh, well, I mean, Captain Morgan's does make a, a light, they have rum. the white rum. They that have they a white make. rum. Yeah. Um, Havana club is a pretty good one. That's, that's on the lower inside or like lower price range side. Uh, last time I bought it anyways, um, slightly higher end. I like, I actually really like Sun Liquors, which is a Seattle distillery. What was the name? Sun Liquor. Sun, S-U-N? Yep. And that's at the more moderately priced end or the more expensive end? That, it's like in between the two, really. It's like 35 40, Okay. So um, I don't know of any really expensive light rums. Yeah. when I So I, I drink a lot of rum, um, mostly just in rum and Cokes. So I usually just get the big liter of Captain Morgan's. Yeah, which store. is, you're probably getting like the spiced or the dark yeah, rum. The yeah, spiced or the dark spiced rum. Spiced rum, yeah. And that mixes well with a Coke Cherry Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's about the right thing to mix with a Coke Cherry Zero, yeah. I guess. Um, my, I did have a uh, boss one time who really dug Kraken, which is a much darker rum. It's also uh, sweeter. It is super sweet. Like, I, 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 you know, as you do with your boss, went through a lot of alcohol. And the Kraken, I had to stop drinking just because of the volume of sugar in it. It made me all like, Ugh. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Okay, so we've got, uh, and you said, we'll go with Sun for the more expensive end of the list um, on the rum. What is next? So we have, are we including uh, scotches in the whiskey or bourbons or like, because uh, th- th- that whole area is kind of weird. Yeah, I mean like. For the purposes of mixing cocktails, I think that you're probably safest to start out with sticking with just a bourbon, um, which is what we recommended for both already, right? Yeah, it is. Um, okay. I, I would skip scotch. Scotch, um, you shouldn't be mixing with stuff. You should just be drinking it straight. No, there's definitely scotches to mix. Uh, there's, scotch and soda? <laughs> um, I mean, you could, yes. but like the, It's 1938 up in here. No, there's, there's some very good drinks like Blood and Sand that is a mixed drink that uses scotch. Um but you want to use both a blended scotch and a more peaty scotch when making that or, or mix them to make a, a good good beverage. We might want to take half a second and explain to people what a blended scotch is. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to take that one? Yeah, go for it. So, And this actually isn't just a scotch thing. It kind of runs the gamut across a number of different alcohols. So if you see a single malt scotch, right? That means that they have made one chunk of scotch, and they have just made that scotch. They haven't mixed anything else in it. And in doing that, a single malt from one year to the next can be very different, right? Very much like wine, where you have a 2011 varietal and a 2012, and they are made out of the same grapes, but taste completely different. Now, that happens because there's a number of different uh, factors that go into what a spirit is going to taste like when you want to have a very consistent flavor like for instance jack daniels jack daniels tastes like jack daniels tastes like jack daniels you can almost tell it when they hand you a glass you're like oh this is going to taste exactly like i expect it to that's a blended uh drink they have carefully controlled what they've put in there to ensure that it comes out tasting in a particular way 
Now, when you're talking about scotches, they have ways of blending scotches to, say, approximate the flavor of a particular age, right? Like, this should taste like a 10-year or a 12-year, but we've taken a whole bunch of stuff, or a whole bunch of different scotches and mixed, or we've taken a whole bunch of different batches of scotch and mixed them together to try and make sure that we put out the flavor that we're looking to put out. Yeah, and single malts have a little bit of leeway in that as long as it's coming from the same distillery and Mm -hmm. it is labeled as whatever the youngest scotch in the batch is, then it can still have a mix with inside that distillery. Right. But blended ends up being more of like kind of what we had talked about previously uh, or in another episode of, of the idea of buying seconds and blending it together. Right. So that's more of like a blended scotch is more of the two buck chuck variety of taking seconds from various distilleries and blending them together to be a decent profile. Right. And you can do that to control flavors and make sure that like, if you think about uh, wines do this all the time, right? You can get a red blend. Yeah. Which means they've taken any number of different varietals of grapes, jammed them together to make the flavor that they were looking for. Yeah. Uh, okay. Two really famous uh, blended scotches that are pretty good, or maybe not famous is the right word, uh, but Banknote is one that's a really good blended scotch, and then Famous Grouse is another one. Um, famous Grouse being on the cheaper end, Banknote being slightly more expensive, not not terribly more. But for the purposes of building your own home bar, I mean, definitely go with the idea of Sticking to a bourbon, I think, for your whiskey, or maybe a rye, if you really like the rye better. But Okay, so that gives us four of the main spirits, whiskey, gin, vodka, and rum. Is the there Tequila. A, tequila. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about tequila. Um, and tequila, there are such a huge like swing in flavors and, and styles and whatnot. I, I mean, I would recommend going with a Reposado, for, uh, which means rested, which is just a kind of a, a middle age on the how long the tequila has been sitting in the barrel. Um, I think Casa Noble is a pretty decent one for the lower end. Um, I don't really have a huge selection of tequilas in the top of my head. They're yeah, te- tequila is another one. I have a number of tequilas in my cupboard, but that's mostly because we went to Mexico a while back and I went a little uh, crazy on the tequila tasting while I was down there. Do you want alcohol tasting? I know. It's hard to believe. Yeah. I it just it hardly ever happens. Yeah. Uh, when it does, I go crazy. So, okay. So with these five spirits, you should be able to have a pretty good um, go at a uh, reasonable liquor cabinet. So when somebody comes over, you can pull out mm, some pretty yummy spirits for them first time right there the whole episode <laughs> and uh okay so he's so I, proud of himself you have no idea <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh some of the tools that go into this because we now have the spirits so well, we have all like, of the base of what we need uh, yeah I, I would say that there's probably a couple other things you'd want to look for um that would be kind of mixers so you're gonna need vermouths a sweet or a dry you're gonna need um some sort of triple sec uh, if you're going to be good about it, I would go with Cointreau, which is what Triple Sec is based after. Um, usually way more expensive. Usually way more expensive, although you use it in such small frequencies or small amounts yeah. that it lasts for a long time. Um, uh, probably some sort of, of bittering Amaro type component like a Campari or um, 
And in case you're not familiar with Amaros, you should listen to the episode we did like <laughs> two episodes back on Amaros. And then uh, maybe some other liqueur. Like there's there's options that can run the gamut on what you'd make after that, right? Okay. Uh, something else we should probably throw into mixers is uh, bitters. Yeah. So cocktail bitters, like you, at a very, very base minimum, you need Angostura bitters, I think. That is the, the gold standard and will taste good whenever bitters are called for. Uh, Angostura also makes an orange bitters, which, which is decent, although there are some other better examples of orange bitters to, to use. We should probably do a whole episode on bitters. Oh, that would, yeah, that would take a while, but uh, it's a good one to do. Um, someone like a friend was making fun of my uh, bitters think, collection at I, home. I think we talked a little bit about bitters in the shrubs episode, didn't we? Yeah, a, a very, very uh, like, briefly. It briefly came up. Yeah. Um, so go back and listen to the shrubs episode too. It was pretty <laughs> yummy. Damn it. <laughs> oh, that was great. At any rate, um, he's like, I hate you all. He's making me laugh too much <laughs> right now. Um, so yeah, no. It, okay. So mixers, vermouth, triple sec, Amaro, some bitters. There's also a really great book to buy that is called the tin bottle bar that talks about like, if, if you buy these 10 bottles, Here's this like plethora of drinks you can make. Now it's just ten bottles of of spirit, so that would be your base or your liqueur or whatnot. And then it talks about like you might need lime juice or you might need sugar or these other things, right? But your expensive ingredient, the alcohol, buy these ten and you're, there's this like entire list of drinks you can make. All right, let's talk about some of the tools. What do we need in our kitchen to uh, make all of these amazing cocktails that we're just kind of discussing the major components of? Um, at a bare minimum, you need um, a cocktail shaker. Whether that is a Boston or cobbler shaker doesn't really matter. A cobbler shaker is going to be easier to use. The difference being um, Boston shakers, when you see the tin cup and a like pint glass, mm-hmm. um, which can be a little tricky to use because you have to make sure that it seals correctly and that it can come off without breaking the glass. Um, and then the cobbler shaker is when you have the shaker and it has an attachment on top that's also tin and usually has a built-in strainer. Right. Like if you've seen um, Archer. Yes. That's the kind of uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. strainer Archer uses. <laughs> if you've ever been to a bar, they, they use the Boston. Most of the time. Although there yeah. are some bars out there that will use the cobbler shaker for, for very specific reasons. I, I mean, like it's you can get like small versions that you can make exactly one cocktail in, and you can make like two or three at once and shake two or three at once. Um, okay, so you need a shaker. You probably need a muddler. A muddler is useful. Um, there are very, very, very cheap versions out there to get. Um, you also could use with at least two strainers. Um, well, you need at least one strainer, although there are two different types, I should say. There's the Hawthorne and the Julep strainer. The Hawthorne is the kind of the typical one that you see most often, which has a little wire spring in it. And the Julep strainer looks like a really large spoon with holes in it. If you listen to our absinthe episode, we actually discussed it there. Did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. But uh, it's similar to an absinthe <laughs> spoon. Uh, a little it, bit bigger, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's in the same bigger. ballpark. It is kind of similar, yeah, I suppose. Um, I had never thought of that. Um, and then some sort of measuring tool, um, whether that be a jigger, um, an actual, like, uh, OXO makes this really nice two-ounce with internal lines for different sizes uh, measuring container. 
that is great for just determining uh, how much pour you're doing. Because like, if you want to try and make cocktails the same every time, then you really want to um, make sure that you're using the same recipe every time. Yep. And this is something that is super important when mixing drinks. Consistency, consistency, consistency. You yeah. don't want to have, uh, like, for instance, I have had Aaron make me any number of cocktails over the years, and they have all been amazing to the point where I don't actually care what he makes me anymore. If you put something <laughs> in front of me, I'm going to drink it and I'm going to like it because uh, he is very consistent. Every drink he's ever made is really just like well-balanced. It tastes good and it makes you go, ooh, can I have another one, please? And I do like, I measure everything. Like even when I'm making like a dark and stormy, which is really super simple, dark rum, ginger beer, and lime. But I make it with, a, no, I measure out the components. And so it tastes the same every single time. Um, and, you know, a good good rule of thumb for why I do that is just because I want it to taste the same every time. Um, and, and it also, it extends how long your bottles last. Right. Now, um, something that is different at home versus when you're at the bar, you will see that the bar has usually a bunch of bottle tops Yes, on there. Are those good for home use? Uh, they can be. Um, the one nice thing that makes them good for home use is that it does seal the liquor um, and it doesn't make, it's a little bit easier to pour out of for, from some of the bottles, right? Yeah, a lot of the bottles are kind of funky shaped and, uh, um, you know, glug, glug, glug out a little bit. Yeah, and you don't, with the, you don't the want that when trying to pour an exact amount um, yeah. or it's harder to pour an exact amount. And Oftentimes, if you get higher-end ones, they have little ball bearings in there that seal off the... Yeah, so you pour, pour, pour. It, like, it gives you basically a shot per pour. Uh, and I wasn't even talking about that so much. I was talking about like when you turn it back upside down, it sinks down oh. and locks the, locks the bottle shut. Right, right. Um, and then from there, you can get into all sorts of interesting things. Like, like the idea of an old-fashioned, you're going to stir that rather than shake it. So right. you're going to have a stirring cup. Well, that can just be a pint glass or even the glass that you make it in. Mm -hmm. Or it can go as fancy as like I have a Yurai mixing glass, which is this like $35 Japanese crystal mixing container. Um, there are bar spoons, which are specific. They have long handles. They're kind of twisted. They make it really easy to, to stir drinks in a consistent manner, although a chopstick will work or a regular spoon. Chopstick or... is actually the most widely used thing at our house. Yeah. Anytime you need to stir a drink is like grab a chopstick, mix it stir, around stir, a little stir, bit. And you're good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they do make bar spoons and, and from there you have like clamshell uh, juicers and, and different types of juicers. If you want to try and get into but fresh juice. At that or... point you start to kind of move out of what you absolutely need. Oh, definitely. Yes. Like really what you need is a shaker, a strainer, and mixing glass, a mixing glass, yeah, or uh, sorry, not a mixing glass, but well, you need a mixing glass. But yeah. I was, I was thinking a measuring cup, sorry. a measuring cup, yeah, measuring cup, shaker, strainer, and uh, mixing, mixing glass. cup, mixing yeah. glass. Yeah. Those four things, like those, are when I was uh, uh, Aaron one time was making some drinks for a work function. I ran to the store, bought those four things, <laughs> and brought them back, and said, "Here you go." Yes, I remember that. That is absolutely which I think I got some a muddling. Uh, yeah, probably pestle or whatever. I as think well. I was making. Uh, I still have the Saint Germain for that drink. <laughs> yeah, so that was like the Saint Germain lime juice gin. Yeah, uh, it, it turns out mint. there's not like the Saint Germain does not go very quickly. No, that's one of those, which is good because it was wicked expensive. There are a lot of liqueurs that you just don't go through quickly um, unless you're making that particular drink a ton. 
I mean, Luxardo maraschino liqueur. It's a cherry liqueur. Really, really great. Not even terribly expensive. I think it's like around $35, $40. A bottle will last you a very, very long time, even if the only drink you make is Hemingway daiquiri, because it only uses half of an ounce. Okay, what's in a Hemingway daiquiri? (laughs) Um, So that's light rum, um, the maraschino liqueur, lime juice, grapefruit juice. Oh, and simple syrup. You kind of lost me at grapefruit juice. It's your loss. It's okay. It just means there's more for me. Uh, Grapefruit juice can be used well. So I'm going to go back to what you just said like five minutes ago. You don't even ask me what it is. If I put it in front of you, it's yummy. That is a good point. Wait, do I have to make the ding sound when you say yummy too? Um, No, I don't. I just made an executive decision. All right. But when you quote me? If I quote you, it's a quote... So I, I so for those of you that may or may not have been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, I may have a tiny problem with saying the word yummy entirely too much when describing um, drinks. So I've started adding little uh, audio reminders in the podcast when it happens. And if you really want, you can take a drink when he does. Correct. This this is actually our um, sponsored drinking game, where whereupon I enable you to get plowed. <laughs> I like that. This is a, a service that I provide especially for our listeners. And then the last thing that like, I really recommend for a home bar um, is actually a book. Um, I brought it with me so Zach can see it. Yeah, I can. Look, see? Um, and it is called The Bar Book. And it's by Jeffrey Morgenthaler. And keeping with uh, all cocktail books, it has to have a sub book or a subtitle of Elements of Cocktail Technique. And it's interesting because in the forward section of it, he talks about how there's three things that every cocktail needs. And he's not talking about the idea of what makes a cocktail of spirit, sugar, water. Right. It needs a recipe, it needs ingredients, and it needs technique. Hmm. And this book is all about technique. So it will it talks about the different options for muddlers, right? Which it sounds funny, but he gives you like four or five different options ranging from you can buy like a broom handle and cut it up and it becomes a muddler and you have like 25 cents for this broom handle and you make 20 muddlers out of it all the way up to here's like a really good muddler that he's used in the past or like he does the same thing with everything right from like the what type of juicers you're using blenders things like that that's to me usually a sign of a person that actually knows what they're doing oh it's because they've taken the time to understand their tools they've taken the time to understand how the components fit together and they've really taken the time to work out how do I enable myself to be as successful as possible when doing these actions, right? Yeah. This That's is, pretty much how you'd be successful anywhere. This, this, I mean, this guy takes the, the, um, anal retentive side of bartending to, to like levels that I can really appreciate. That's what it comes down to. He's, it, he's the bar manager at Clyde Commons, which is one of my favorite bars. That's down in Portland. Portland. Uh, do you think we could actually get him on the show? Uh, doubtful and the only reason why i say that is he's kind of busy <laughs> he, he right bar manages two bars he writes articles for two different magazines um he wrote this book i mean some of his recipes show up in things like new york times bestseller lists for like his recipe for eggnog um so like that's an example of of how uh how prolific he is and how well uh known he is throughout the industry well, that just means he needs to add podcasting to his uh, repertoire, and we can help with that. He 
does have video casts. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, what was his name again? Can we? Uh, uh, it's Jeffrey Morgenthaler. Jeffrey Morgenthaler. And the podcast or, or video cast that he does, you can find on YouTube. It's called the Morgenthaler Method. Nice. Um, nice. And they're really interesting because they always have like some sort of like story talking about like, you know, the first time we ever had to 86 someone from a bar and then it leads into like where the term came from or like right. how he makes, how he decided to make a hot toddy the way he makes them as opposed to the way that like, you know, the traditional recipe and, and the reason for it and, and the why. And it's, it's pretty interesting. At a minimum, we need to go down to Portland and drink at one of his bars. Um, I am or both of his bars. I am completely okay with that. And the bars are on the same block. So easy enough that we can yeah. just park the car and go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm completely down for that. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we had for today. I think so. Awesome. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Oh, this is actually our last episode for 2015. I think we got like five in. Yeah, that's no, no. no this is like uh, seven. I know, but like one of those was like in 2014. I swear. Really? So that would be six. Mm, be six in. I'm gonna have to look into that. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening this year. It was great having you with us. And we will be back next year uh, faster, better, stronger. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Have a good night.